Hey everybody, good morning. Uh, my name is Jeff and I am uh, really, really excited to teach this morning. Uh, so if you all have your phones or a Bible, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. I'll be in the reading from the ESV version. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, but I would love for you to, to follow along in this pretty, uh, pretty dense section of scripture here. Verse 8, chapter 4 of Galatians says this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those that by nature are not gods. By now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how will you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe the days and the months and the seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I am also becoming as you are. You did me no, uh, you did me no wrong. You know it was because of body ailment that I preached the gospel to you first, and through my condition was on trial to you. You did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you make much of them. It is always good to be, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children... For whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed by you. Tell them, uh, we're going to head down to chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, for freedom, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to everyone who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For though the spirit of faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying this truth? This, pers this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear a penalty, whoever it is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The offense, of the, uh, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would be emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom. For you were called to freedom. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of God. And everyone said, 
Amen. Here's what we're going to do for the next two minutes. What I'd like you to do is turn to some neighbors. What stood out to you? Talk about what stood out to you. What do you feel like the Spirit of God showed you through this section of Scripture? A couple minutes, go ahead and discuss with one another. Awesome. I, uh, I really enjoy watching you all teach one another. Uh, I know you're like, wait a second, we came here to... No, no, no. Like, it's all of us. <laughs> We're all trying to figure it out. The Spirit of God is speaking to all of you, and I love that you're being able to teach one another. I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty cool. I, I tell you a lot about my time in India because it's, been, it's a really important thing to me. Um, I served on that board of that organization, um, and I always say, like, India is my home away from home, but I served on, as the chairman of that board for six years. And uh, one of the most painful parts of that job in that ministry uh, was our ministry to the women in the red light district. Um, this, this organization had planted 2,500 churches in, in southern India, uh, hospitals, children's homes, schools, leprosy colonies, I mean, massive work, massive work. Um, and, but the women of the red light district was just so heartbreaking for us because here's what would happen is that we would rescue these women from their slavery, from their, these slaves who just used them over and over and over again. And we would bring them to our campus and we would give them a home. We fed them. We give them a place to bathe. We offered them help. We, we put their kids in our orphanages and we fed them and took care of them and educated them. And then we offered services to these women, uh, counseling for mental, physical, emotional health, to be able to kind of unwind what's happening, happened to them over a long period of time. Most of these girls entered into the red light district when they hit puberty. And they've been living in that for 20 years. And you would think, like, what a great work, how great, except that 75% of them would return back to the slaves, back into prostitution. And it would break our hearts no matter what we did, no matter how hard we tried to go, why would you go back there? They're only robbing you. They're only taking away from you. Why would you go back to that? They would take their kids with them. Now a generational thing, the hands down after generation after generation. Why? This is what Paul's talking about. Do you feel this? The heaviness of what he's bringing to all of us. He's like a father to them. 
He's a spiritual father to them. He's not just a pastor. He's a spiritual father that is very aware of what is going on. That there are a group of people that want to continue to keep these people in slavery to the law. That you have to keep doing all these laws. You have to keep doing all these outward things in order for you to be made right with the people and made right with God. And Paul's like, stop. It's only going to enslave you. That's not good news. It's not good news. Not good news. And the candor of this letter is forensic. It's kind of like a, as parents, when we see our kids get into something, we want to kind of break it down for them. We want them to understand the whole and the full of what's happening. We bring in our own personal stories, our own personal failures, our own personal successes, and we want to help guide our kids into freedom, into real life, because they've made some decisions that are causing great pain in their lives and the lives of others. And this is Paul's tone throughout the whole thing. It's forensic in its nature. And the combination is when you get to Galatians 2.20, which is the centerpiece of the message, he's going, I am crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me in this life that I now live in the flesh. I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He desperately wants this church to understand what has not just happened to them, but happened to him. It's his own personal story that now he is going around to all these different places and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that you are free in Christ. You have been adopted into the family of God. You are free. We adopted our daughter, Mika, when she was four years old from Phoenix, from the system in Phoenix. Now, this system kept her safe for a period of time. That's the law. The law was given to help keep the people of Israel, to help keep them safe. But then we stood before a judge, and the gavel dropped, and he declared Mika adopted, that she is a goki. And then we went into another room, and we signed a birth certificate that had our name on it and her name on it, Mika May Goki. She's a goki. That's who she is. How heartbreaking would it be? For her to go, I want to go back into the system. This is what Paul's trying to say to us. Can you see that all these people, fueled by a desire to control people through a political alignment with the Romans, these Judaizers are wanting to control the people. When Paul is going, you are free. Why would you go back to living that way. It's almost like he, he's looking at them and he's looking at us and he goes, have you forgot what Jesus has done for you? Have you forgotten who Jesus is? Have you forgotten who you are? I think a lot of us are distracted here this morning. A lot of us have bought into this lie. Because 
Back then, there's this political alignment with Rome in order to get what we, I don't know if you know what this feels like, where politics and religion kind of go to, I don't know if you've ever felt that. I don't know if that's like something you've ever experienced. But that's been something that the evil one has just continued to do over and over and over again, and it's heresy. It's wrong. Anybody who tries to put Jesus in a box or try to put you in a certain box or a certain party in a certain way and tell you this is what a Christian is, is heresy. It's wrong. It's not biblical. It's what Paul is preaching against. And what does it do? It creates a culture of fear, a culture of division, a culture of rivalry. That's enslavement. You are free. And I think so many Christians, I I believe this with all my heart, the crux of all of our problems is that we are looking for pseudo-saviors instead of accepting Christ's salvation and living as free people. And in verses 12 through 20, you start to see Paul's language adjusting. He He says this, My little children for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Do you feel that? Nowhere and anywhere of Paul's writing does he ever use this term. And he's using this term because the weight of what they're doing is creating a bondage, a going back. Instead of living in freedom, they're enslaved. And he's like this, my little children, why would you do that? Why would you do that? I just want, I want Christ to be formed in you. I want you to feel the fullness of what it is to be released by his grace and his mercy. He both encourages them and he challenges them. You know what this feels like when you see somebody making a, a, a difficult decision or a wrong decision, you encourage them. Hey, listen, I see this in you and this is so great, but this is concerning And it has to be dealt with. In fact, at the end of this section, Paul literally says this, I wish I was with you. I wish you could hear my tone. Because he's writing a letter, remember? He's like, I just want you to hear my tone. And he says this, I love this. I'm perplexed by you. How many of you have children? Raise your hands. Have you ever felt perplexed by your children's decisions? We dropped our car off at the mechanic not too long ago. Not too long ago. Something was going on. And the mechanic came back to my wife and said, whose car is this? Oh, it's our son's. Oh, does your son drift this car? And we said, no, who would drift a Toyota Prius? That's like undriftable. Like, right? Like, like who would do that? And they're like, I'm pretty sure that this car's been drifted in. And so we go back and And we come to find out that indeed my son has been. What he did is he took two cookie sheets, put them under the back tires, and was doing donuts in a parking lot with a Toyota Prius. We're like, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. He's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. You know, it's like a Prius. It's like a thing. Everyone's laughing. And I'm like, perplexed, totally perplexed. I don't understand what is happening? This is Paul. Like, I, 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 my sweet children. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you choose this? 
when Jesus died and resurrected to rescue from this depravity, why would you then now even entertain it back into your life? It oppressed you. It kept you low. You're children of the Most High God, and now you're once again in bondage to these rules and regulations. 613 law, an intense sacrificial system, only so you can be right before God. So they can control you. When Jesus is like, you're free. See, what happened is what happens to so many of us is they settled for legalism instead of the liberation through the grace of Jesus Christ. They've decided that, they, that they're once again going to lump in all this, all this stuff I gotta do instead of being free. Free indeed. Free in Christ. And what's so interesting about Galatians is it mirrors the Exodus story. The Exodus story is that God comes to Moses and says, I want to liberate my people. Stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Moses does that. You know the story. They eventually start down the road. God stands in the gap, fighting behind them and preparing a path before them. He destroys the Egyptians, opens the Red Sea in order to make the impossible possible. He provides a cloud by day and a fire by night to say, my presence is with you always. He feeds them and he nourishes them. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, their provider. And what do the people do? I want to go back to Egypt. Why do we always want to go back to Egypt? So Paul's saying, why do you want to go back to Egypt? Because stuff's not going the way you want because it's not accommodating what you thought would happen. And so now you're going to just take your good works and try to prove them to God that you have nothing to prove to him. He's paid it all. Check this out. When God looks at you, those of you who have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees you as pure and holy. He sees Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin so that you would be the righteousness of God. Why would you go back to this? Why would you live this way, Paul says? Verse 9 says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world whose slaves you want to be once more? Why would you do that? Why would you live that way? Because, and you probably feel this like me, we are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. We're prone to lead the one we love, aren't we? We want to lump in. Look, God, look how good I am. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. I don't know about you, but I grew up with check boxes. Anybody else growing up with check boxes? Go here, do this, act like this, don't say this, right? We had the Fantastic Five, which is like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Like, and as long as you didn't drink, smoke, swear, you name it, you were good. God was like, well done. Well, that list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And to be honest, I'm in bondage to that. Some of you have shown up today in church hoping to please God. If I don't go, then I don't know. You know, no. That's, that's over here. That's bondage. It's not freedom. 
Some of you are reading your Bible not to just be here from the Word of God, but because it's some legalistic urge that you believe is going to help you and God be right. It's, it's, it's false. It's crushing you. Some of you believe your good works have like some kind of perk benefit in the kingdom of God. Isaiah says this, all of our good deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God. And if that's the case, what do we do? We receive his grace and his mercy that covers a multitude of sins that we have nothing to prove and no one to impress. We just get to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Warren Wiersbe says this, one of the tragedies of legalism is that it gives the appearance of spiritual maturity when in reality it leads the believer back into a second childhood of Christian experience. We all think we're, we're moving forward, but we're moving back because it's not about him, it's about us. This is a slavery that, that Paul is trying to say, I'm trying to have you settle your hearts in the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not because of anything you've done. It's a free gift from him. Receive the gift and live it in light of it. William Barclay talks about it like this, like the law can convict, but it can't forgive you of your sins. Coming to church can be a place where you find conviction. It can't save you of your sins. Reading your Bible, it can convict you, but it can't forgive you of your sins, all your good deeds. They, they're not bad, but they can't forgive you of your sins. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can be released into his care, into his grace, in his mercy. This freedom that comes as a result of that. And there is something deep inside of us that wants to run away from the grace of God. I was thinking about Braveheart this week and how we all love that scene where he goes, freedom, right? And all the guys take their shirts off, right? It's like every men's conference ever. Because men love this stuff, man. Freedom! Look at me! That's the whole problem. It's the whole problem. Because actually, you're like, no, actually, you don't, you don't do anything. He already did that. He already died on the cross. He already paid the sacrifice. He already caused the veil in the temple to rip so that you can go boldly before the throne of God. It's not because of anything you've done. He has set you free. We don't like that. Because <laughs> we want some, we want some skin in the game. Jesus is like, I already laid all that down. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I paid the price so that you could be free. You get freedom. I get freedom because of what Jesus has done. And this problem is as old as the Garden of Eden. God creates a place for his presence to be amongst us, and we would walk and talk with him in paradise. And we said, yeah, but I kind of want that option. That's not stop for us. It's the same story over and over our lives. And we believe that we're going to get something different out of it. And all it does is lead us into more slavery. Well, we've been set free. This is Paul's wait. That's why Solomon says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he well, direct your paths. He's doing it. He loves you. He sees you. He knows you. He's liberated you. He's done the work. Our response is just worship. 
So what do we do? In verses 8 and 9, Paul says this formally, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn your back against the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world whose slaves you want to be once more? Paul, I don't know if you caught it, but Paul does something fantastic here. He goes, you now know God. You know God. And then he goes, well, hold on, no, 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 no. God knows us. Like Paul's like remembering like he was a Pharisee, a Pharisee of all Pharisees rooted in the religious law. He was zealous for Yahweh to the point that he's murdering people. And on the road to Damascus, God did not leave him in his slavery to the law, but met him on the road and rescued and ransomed him with this good news. The risen Messiah met Paul and changed his life changed his name from Saul to Paul and set him on a mission to share that good news with the world. So he was like this. He was like, no, no, no. This isn't just about what we've done. No, it's what he's done for us. He knows us. And as a result of him knowing us, it changes everything. It sets us free. So why? Why is it that we keep running back to this old way of doing, of living? You know, I think if a lot of us, if we're spending so much time trying to know God, it's just instead of just being accepted that we are known by him, just accepting that we're known by him. So many of us are trying so hard to know God instead of resting in the truth that we're known. Faith Cummings, who's a pastor here at, in women's ministry, we were at the Image Conference, which was a mental health conference that Lemming Streams put on. And we were on a panel, and I got to host that panel. And a lady asked the question, like, what do you, how do we hold on to God when things are hard, when things are difficult? And Faith went, I'll, I'll take that microphone. I was like, absolutely. And so Faith says, well, I've come to know, and I've been through a lot, that it's not a matter of us holding on to God, it's a matter of realizing he's holding on to us. I think that's where so many of us have gotten sideways. We think it's about us. We think it's about our pursuit. Instead of recognizing and realizing it's his pursuit of us, he is a jealous God for us. <laughs> he loves us. He loves you. Do you receive his care this morning? Receive his knownness over you this morning? Or are you continuing to just live in the slavery of not enough? I'm not doing enough? I'm not good enough? I don't attend enough? I don't give enough? I don't serve enough? I don't enough, enough, enough. It's crushing you. That's why Paul in chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom, for freedom, Christ has set you free. You're not just free, you're free free. Say, I am free free. You are free free. He free freed you, right? Not just freed you. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Christ has set you free. And he says, stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You are free in Christ. And it reminded me as I was thinking about this, I was going, wait, wait, wait. Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, Jesus stands before a crowd that's just so weighted down by the law. 
weighted down by all of what they weren't doing and that they weren't. And he stood before them and he says this, come to me. Come to me, all of you who feel like you can't accomplish it. Come to me, all of you who feel like a failure. Come to me, all of you who feel like no matter how much good you do, you don't measure up. Come to you, all you daughters who were never good enough for your moms. Come to me, all you sons who could never accomplish what your father's expectations of you. Come to me, all of you who have felt weighted and left out by a church or by a religious system. Come to me. Come to me, and I'll bring you rest. I'll bring you rest. He felt the weight of their slavery. The 613 laws, all the sacrifices that said, you don't belong. You're not good enough. He says, come to me, all of you. I give you rest. He says this, take my yoke of freedom upon you. It's light. You feel it? And I'll give you rest for your souls. And here's what I find with so many Christians is they're soul sick because they're living in slavery. Because they don't feel good enough, like they're good enough. They feel like God's angry at them all the time. God's disappointed with them constantly. And this is what this religious system of the day would love to keep them enslaved to. They have all the control then. What Paul is like is you are free. You're not just free. You're free, free. Don't go back to the yoke of slavery. You are free in Christ. And what do people who are free in Christ do? They free people. Because we're about to move into the second half of Galatians. The second half of Galatians 5 He's going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. What do free people do? They love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to be free. You become a testimony to the world of this freedom, a gospel presentation of what the King of Kings and the Lord has, Lord has done, not of what you've done. That makes no sense. That's what Paul's like. I'm perplexed by that. This is good news to the world. I've told you the story about how, how about four years ago I got diagnosed with cancer that was caused by high levels of anxiety that I didn't even know I had because my whole life was about performance. My whole life was about showing up and being a somebody and being a somebody for, being, for Jesus, to be honest. And God healed me. I'm so grateful that he did. And for the last four or five years, I've been sitting on my front porch, just being quiet, waiting on the Lord. You know, over the years, as I've been doing that, I've picked up different disciplines. I've got this whole, I mean, I've got journals, I've got Bibles, I've got books, i got all, I could, they all come out on the front porch with me. And this week, as I was going through this, I'm like, I don't feel free. I don't, I don't feel free. And I felt the Lord go, put all that stuff down. It's good stuff. Put it all down. This doesn't happen to me, but I close my eyes. This doesn't happen very often, but I close my eyes, and God gave me a vision. Maybe it's a vision that you would relate with. And in that vision, as I'm quiet, I'm standing before the Lord, and I'm wrapped up in chains. And I got a big lock on the front. And I'm like locked in like this. And I said, okay, Lord, free me. Lord, free me. And he said, 
No. I was like, wait a second, because the song says, break every chain, break every, right? I was like, wait a minute. That's not how that, I was almost positive that he would be like, right? No, I'm, I've given you everything you need. You did this to yourself. I gave you the keys. Where did you put them? And I'm like, the keys, yeah. Where did I put that? <laughs> Literally, where did I put the, uh-huh. And I unlocked the lock, took it off, and the chains fell down. And I'm not even kidding when I say this. Like, I felt the weight of that legalism just that performance, that trying to be right before God, like on the ground. And I stepped over those chains and I embraced the Lord. Maybe you feel that this morning. Maybe you feel like, like me. I just was locked up and trying to be so good, trying to do all the right things, trying to please everybody. And it's just got you all wrapped up and you keep going, go, Lord, where are you? Why don't you hear me? Why don't you free me? And he's like, I already freed you, sweetie. I already freed you, buddy. Take the truth that I've given you through the Spirit of God and be released to move forward in my good news for my glory. Look, and I feel the weight with a lot of you in this room. I come on Sunday and I... And I know a lot of you are in here just heavy, heavy, heavy. And I think a lot of it is that some of you, a lot of you, just don't feel worthy. You don't feel worthy. And you feel like you got to earn something. And I'm here alongside of Paul and the Spirit of God to declare to you this morning, you are free. And when Jesus looks at you, or when God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus, his sacrifice, his death and his resurrection, so that you can live a life and life to the full. It's funny, I, I was driving here on the way to church, uh, ready to teach this morning, and just kind of working through. And the Lord brought a song up from a time when I was young. Maybe you know this song. It's turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That felt so kind. It felt so kind that he would give that to me this morning. It felt so kind to me that I could remind you all to turn our eyes to Jesus. It's about his glory and his grace. It's about the way that he set you free. And I just hope as a church that we live into that freedom and reject the bondage of slavery that we continue to run back with. Be free. Be free, free. And we're going to take communion. Here's what I'd like to say as we do this. I'm going to let you do this on your own. And I think this is a time 
here's what I've been doing this week. This week has been a week of repentance for me. And repentance isn't shame on you. If you feel shame on you in the midst of repentance, you're not free. <laughs> you're not living in freedom. Repentance is realigning my heart with the truth of the gospel. This week, as those chains are on the ground, my repentance is, Lord, I don't want those to come back on. They got there because I allowed them. Please forgive me. And so as you remind yourself of the broken body of Jesus and his blood shed on a cross to set you free, maybe it would cause you in a moment here, maybe the spirit of God is speaking to you to go, I need to confess my sins. That I'm free. I need to speak that over myself because the spirit is speaking it over each and every one. So take some time to repent, to realign your heart with the good news of Jesus Christ. That he loves you, he sees you, and he knows you. And he's preparing a place for all of us to worship together free. We are free. We are free, free.